Roquan Smith is a Baltimore Raven. We talk about the trade with the Bears, how Roquan Smith fits in Baltimore, the upcoming trade deadline, and more coming up next here on Locked on Ravens with a very special guest. You are Locked on Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And we are back. Another episode of Locked on Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Ostreicher of Ravens Wire. Of course, we're here on the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for tuning in here today, making us your first listen of the day. We're free and available on all podcasting platforms, including over on YouTube. And today's episode of Locked on Ravens is presented by Price Picks. Price Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Pick two to five players, and if they score more or less in their Price Picks projection, you can up to 10 times your money on your entry. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code LOCKEDON. That's pricepix.com, promo code Locked On. If you heard us on YouTube, be sure to subscribe to this channel. Follow along with us in audio form as well. Also, be sure to like the video in video form. We put out Daily Ravens content five days per week. So thank you to everybody for all your support, as always. But we have a fun episode today. I, ha- I have the celebratory palm tree shirt on. It, do- it doesn't come out unless there is a special occasion. And it is a special occasion today as Baltimore makes a splash right before the trade deadline. The trade deadline is today, but Baltimore got the fun started early, acquiring all-pro inside linebacker Roquan Smith from the Chicago Bears in exchange for a second-round pick, a fifth-round pick, and A.J. Klein. So we're going to talk with Spencer Schultz of Baltimore Beatdown today about the move, grades for the move, where Roquan Smith fits in, the future of Roquan Smith, and some other players in Baltimore as well. Let's talk about if Baltimore is going to make any other moves as the trade deadline comes to a close. So you can hear whether we were right or whether we were wrong with our predictions on that. That'll be in the final segment. First two segments, though, Roquan Smith, Roquan Smith, and more Roquan Smith. Let's dive into that now with Spencer Schultz of Baltimore Beatdown. Well, the Baltimore Ravens made a splash on Monday as they acquired Roquan Smith from the Chicago Bears. And we're going to break it all down now. Spencer Schultz of Baltimore beat down our Taco Tuesday guest joining me here. And look, I I got the celebratory shirt on, so you know something big went down. The palm trees and everything. Spencer, we talked for a while last week about what move could the Ravens make for maybe a wide receiver, an edge rusher, another position. This is an inside linebacker in Roquan Smith. One of the best in the business at his position. He now slots in on this Ravens defense. I mean, first and foremost, did you think a move like this was going to happen? And what were your initial thoughts? Because I, I was in shock, but in a, in a good way. So I actually wrote a 28, actually it was 3,500 word article uh, at around, I want to say at 1233 Pacific. So it came out at 333 Pacific. I, excuse me, that time is even wrong. It was before that. I digress. It was a couple hours before uh, the, the trade happened. And what I wrote about Roquan Smith in particular was that I'm trying to find it here. Uh, Roquan Smith requested a trade ahead of the season. Smith would require some finagling as he still owed around half of his $9.3 million 2022 salary. Whether the Bears would be willing to assist with that is unknown, but Smith was quite displeased when the Bears traded Quinn to the Eagles, although reports are indicating that the Bears could be unwilling to trade him. Smith does possess a relatively similar frame and somewhat similar skill set to Patrick Queen, although Smith is much more advanced in coverage and capable of carrying slot receivers off the seam, which only a handful of NFL linebackers can do with any consistency. The Ravens wanted Bobby Wagner this offseason, so it's not unlikely that they look to linebacker again, 
but it is a little bit more likely they attempt to acquire a linebacker with a more square frame that could defeat the run in the box to pair out of nickel with queen than I think someone like Smith. But then again, adding good football players is never a bad thing. So there's, that was my take about three hours before the trade went down. And I'm glad that I saved it and saved my face by saying, but adding good football players is never a bad thing. And I think that's what gets lost on this trade and in some of the channels and people that maybe wanted a wide receiver or things like that. Kid's 25, kid, grown man is 25 years old. It's a two-time All-Pro. He was the Buckus Award winner. He was a top 10 pick. He was the SEC Defensive Player of the Year. He is leading the NFL in tackles. And I know his PFF grade isn't the best. Well, guess what? Patrick Queen's PFF grade, you know, PFF coverage grades, I'm not a big fan of, whatever. But when you look at his advanced metrics, you go to Sports Info Solutions, I can go on a whole diatribe about coverage and the way coverage is charted, which I think is loose and a little too loose. But anyway, if you look at EPA per target when targeted, if you look at EPA in general, if you look at any advanced metric, and then you go watch, like I said in that article, there are Fred Warner, Eric Kendricks, I've seen Devin Lloyd do it a handful of times this year, and I think that is in his wheelhouse, and he's had some success there. There are only, like I said, maybe five-ish total linebackers that can go into nickel, go walk over to a trips, and actually carry a number three, like an inside guy, vertically across the field on a crosser. And one of those five is Roquan Smith. That allows you to play a much different style of defense than you can without that. So that is adding another dimension. On top of it, he's a really consistent tackler. On top of it, he is pretty decent against the run. On top of it, he's an effective blitzer. On top of it, he's only allowed three touchdowns in his career while picking off eight balls and making plays on 11 more. So right player, um, you know, position, sure. You, If you know you want a wide receiver, I get it. The fan base has desperately wanted the wide receiver for years. They want... Randy Moss, they want Terrell Owens, they want, you know, they, they want Jerry Rice, they want the best receiver, they probably want Justin Jefferson, someone like that, I don't know. But just because you want a wide receiver doesn't mean that adding Roquan Smith to your football team is a bad thing. And I think that Roquan Smith is a dynamic athlete that can go pair and do a lot of things in this defense that is going to open things up even more for them and take pressure off of some other guys, ensure that you have quality play in the event of some injuries. Um, and again, the Ravens wanted Wagner really badly and didn't get him. And Eric DaCosta is one of the most quietly persistent general managers that, that I know of really. Um, and of course I, I am a little more, put him under the microscope a little more than certain other GMs, but I like to think I follow the league pretty darn closely. And when he fails with Earl Thomas, he goes and gets Marcus Williams a couple years later. When CJ Mosley gets away, you can't resign him. You won't go after Bobby Wagner. You go get Roquan Smith. Uh, things that plague them, they chase until they get it right. And it feels like they've been chasing that linebacker for quite some time. Yeah. And I think part of the, well, the other part of the deal is the fact that not just the Ravens got Roquan Smith, but what they gave up here was a second rounder, a fifth rounder. And also AJ Klein was, I think a late throw in, I guess announced on the deal. So yeah, that nice little 15 yard penalty on special teams and then get shipped to Chicago. But the fact that the Ravens gave up a second round pick Spencer, were you expecting them to go in to this trade deadline, willing to wheel and deal that second, and also a second and a fifth for Roquan Smith. Is that a good deal from your perspective? So I, I thought that Roquan Smith would fetch a first-round pick from whoever traded for him, and I was floored to see that he didn't. I think the world of him, he's a two, like I say, he's a, I mean, he's a two-time All-Pro at 25 years old, and he's not declining. Like, there's, there's nothing there that says that he isn't that same guy. 
And again, if Vic Fangio thinks you're an outstanding linebacker, I'm going to trust Vic Fangio more than I'm going to trust myself. And that's who Vic Fangio picked to be the centerpiece of his defense. Vic Fangio worked in Baltimore for many years and basically left because he didn't get picked over Rex Ryan uh, kind of angrily, but was a major factor of what the Ravens did and is one of the most brilliant defensive minds in the NFL over the last few years. So I think that that speaks a lot for it. And I uh, had some mail drop in through a slot and forget the first part of your question, but I think that a second and a fifth, especially if you extend him and, and do so, you know, as, as, and I would assume he's going to want, you know, top three money at the position, but with the cap expanding and hopefully if it's to a long-term deal, a four or five year deal, then that gives you some flexibility, things like that. So uh, that in terms of the draft capital, I think that that was about fair. And when looking at the extension piece of this, Spencer, obviously he's in the last year of his deal right now. We'll be afraid after the season. It raises some questions, and I've seen some questions raised, not just about Roquan Smith, but now we're talking about the Lamar Jackson extension again. Some people are saying you gotta pick, you gotta pick one, Lamar or Roquan. Also, there's there's now conversation about Patrick Queen. What is his future like in Baltimore? So with those three players, Spencer, Lamar Jackson, Roquan Smith, Patrick Queen. What do you think the future holds for all three of them? Uh, well, I, I do believe, you know, I, I tend to believe that Lamar Jackson will be in Baltimore long term. Uh, the draft capital for Roquan Smith, I think, was a little too steep to think that they don't really want to extend him and maybe have some sort of inkling of exactly what he wants, things of that nature. Uh, Patrick Queen, I think, can coexist. And the cap is rising exponentially. I think one of the biggest misconceptions about contracts is that when you sign a player to a long-term extension, they are cheapest over the first few years. So that means that Marlon Humphrey and Ronnie Stanley are in their most expensive years right now. They are the ones that are constituting the major cap hits, as well as Lamar Jackson's $22.8 million cap hit, I believe, somewhere right around there. So if you extend Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson's cap hit will probably be somewhere between like 7 and $14 million in each of the first two years if it's a long-term extension. If it's like a three-year fully guaranteed deal, that's different. Even Deshaun Watson's fully guaranteed deal, Cleveland was able to arrange it so that he only had a $1.5 million salary this year and an extremely low cap hit knowing that he was suspended. So I think that, for, for instance, one that I always like to refer to, Demarcus Lawrence got a $100 million contract. His first year cap hit was $4.5 million. So all of those things can coincide and coexist. What does that mean for Rokon Smith? The same thing. If you sign him to a $100 million deal, his cap hit, in 2023, isn't going to be $20 million. In 2024, 2025, probably 2025, it will be. The cap will also have increased by then by typically about 10% year over, excuse me, uh, 7% year over year. And there's supposed to be a huge jump this year because of the Amazon Thursday night football uh, deal that just occurred, as well as some other future TV deals as well. And just generally, they increase the cap over time because inflation occurs over time. You know, a dollar doesn't buy a hamburger anymore. 10 cents doesn't either. So, uh, with that in mind, I, I, I really love and would recommend over the cap have been known as kind of the cap gurus and the, the spending gurus relative to the NFL. A lot of the, you know, uh, AP writers, a lot of teams and general managers have given them a lot of credit, info, things like that. Uh, they do evaluations or I should say, actually, they do valuations on every player based on their performance, based on how much they're playing, based on a myriad of factors, based on positional value. And when you go look at Lamar Jackson, they think he's playing like $44 million this year. I think that sounds about right. When you go look at Roquan Smith, they think he's playing like $11.5 million this year. I think that sounds about right. And then when you go look at Patrick Queen, they say that he's playing like $8 million a year. And I, again, think that's about right. So 
if you can lock up Patrick Queen to, you know, I, I don't think Patrick Queen's a guy that's looking to set the market. Uh, he's, he knows that he's had some tough times. I've spoken to him about it on my podcast. He knows that he, you know, has had his ups and downs. I think he would love to sign an extension with the Ravens that would be not near top of market, not something that's breaking the bank, but allows him stability and to stay in the same place. I think he's starting to grow comfortable in Baltimore. I think the fans are being a little lighter on him as he plays better. Uh, so I think that those three things can go coexist. I don't know the likelihood of that happening. I don't know where Lamar Jackson's at. I don't know where Roquan Smith's at. I feel like I do have a little bit better pulse for Patrick Queen. But again, you know, I don't know if the Ravens are going to pick up Pat Queen's fifth-year option. I would think that they would maybe try to talk about an extension first. Then if they think that's going well, they say that they're going to do the fifth year and then extend him before that so that you don't have a bigger cap hit in year one or year two similarly. So uh, the, the grand scheme of things here is that the Ravens are trying to lock up a foundation, it feels like. And especially if they do sign Smith to a long-term deal. If you're going to pay Lamar, you need your pieces on the board set ahead of time. You can't go commit over $200 million guaranteed to Lamar Jackson and not have things in order ahead of time. You need to have a plan. You need to be ready for that process and have a philosophy and process in order on how you're going to still find advantages. Who do you want to be a huge part of your team? It looks like Ronnie Stanley, Mark Andrews, Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Williams, and maybe Lamar Jackson, potentially you know a, a Duvernay or a Bateman, uh, and potentially a Roquan Smith. So those look like the core foundational players on the Ravens. And I think that sounds like a pretty good group. Yeah, it does. And I know there have been some calls to extend Devin DuVernay. I'm definitely in that crowd. I think it would make a lot of sense. And we've seen them do this kind of stuff before with multiple players where they get them right before they hit the market. And I think that'd be really smart to do. But if you can get a couple of these pieces really just in place, as you talked about, I think that is the right way to do it in terms of a Lamar extension. So we'll see what happens with Roquan Smith. And in our second segment, we'll be talking about how he will fit in on this Baltimore defense next to Patrick Queen, how Mike McDonald can use him and more. So be sure to stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. Still a ton to dive into here on the show. First, though, I do want to tell you a bit about prize picks. And fantasy is a huge part of my life. It has been for a very long time. I have tons of leagues this year. We have the Locked on Ravens ones going too. But if you want a different twist on fantasy, try out prize picks. It's really easy to use, really fun to use too with tons of different games and formats. And you can have a ton of current entries. How it works is you pick two to five players. And if they will go score more or less in their prize picks projection, you can win up to 10 times the money on any entry. There's no competing against other people. So zero projections available. Prize picks offers rejections on any sport that you watch, including the NFL, the NBA, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football, college basketball, and more. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. They have safe and fast withdrawals and they're currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. Download the Prize Picks app. Go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 or promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, Price Picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, Price Picks will give you $50. Don't forget to the promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match of up to $100. We're back. Our second seven of Locked On Ravens. Kevin Allstriker is still talking with Spencer Schultz of Baltimore Beatdown on a Taco Tuesday episode where we're talking Roquan Smith. Baltimore again acquiring Roquan Smith from the Chicago Bears. A second rounder, a fifth rounder, and A.J. Klein going back to Chicago. 
And Spencer, this is exciting. It gives the Ravens now a middle linebacker group or an inside linebacker group that now looks like Roquan Smith, Patrick Queen, Malik Harrison, Josh Bynes in there as well. Uh, what does this whole trade do to the dynamic of that room? And how can Roquan Smith play next to and play off of some of these guys, mainly Patrick Queen? We've seen Patrick Queen turn into more of a keep ball in front of him, awesome downhill linebacker, really loves to go knife through the line and blitz aggressively. He feels like he's his uh, recognition of run concepts, particularly against divisional opponents, has been super strong. And so I think that allows you to use Patrick Queen in kind of just that role and really let him dial into what he excels at because Roquan Smith, like I said, can go carry number three. You can ask him to play man coverage against a running back, against a tight end, against a slot receiver at times, and he can be a little bit more effective in that. So there is a little bit of a yin and a yang to it. Neither of them are big thumping guys, I would say, necessarily, but I've seen Patrick Queen really grow into block deconstruction, taking good angles, being active with his hands, working laterally, keeping his shoulders square to the running back, mirroring the running back well as he works through contact, all of those kinds of things. So I think that frees up Queen to just be even more aggressive. And knowing that you have someone like Smith that can run like Queen can, probably maybe a touch faster, uh, sideline to sideline and go rally to that point. And, and you don't need Roquan to be that kind of downhill presence, whereas it feels like Queen is starting to excel in that role a little bit more so. Um, so you can ask Smith to do more complex things, similar to a safety in many ways as a linebacker. So when you're able to play nickel and maybe jumbo nickel, Suddenly, you maybe don't have to force Pepe Williams, who has had some struggles. He's made some nice plays, a good tackler, but kind of plays like a small linebacker, like a really small linebacker. Suddenly, you're not forced to have to ask him to do some things, and you can specialize him a little more, use Hamilton in the slot at times, use Stevens in the slot at times, some of those things. So I think it has ancillary benefits into the safety room and into the slot corner position a little bit. Um, you know, you don't need to play quite as much dime. You can play more nickel and defend the run better out of nickel. I think there's a big misconception that safeties are as capable against the run as linebackers. Safeties don't have to take on offensive linemen with any sort of consistency the way a linebacker does. When linemen reach you on the second level consistently throughout a game, keep doing it, doing it, doing it, it's going to bite you. And again, the Ravens are living in more too high structures, cover four, palms, you know, cover two, cover six, you know, some, some two-man occasionally, things like that. And we're going to see them be able to defend the run better and allow the safeties to be safeties more in that situation. So teams are living in this too high world. I think a lot of people keep saying that the Ravens, you know, they zag when everyone zigs. This is a zig. The NFL is going towards too high. And the Ravens, that puts more pressure on what's called the spear, which is your safeties, your linebackers, and your nose tackle. What have we seen the Ravens commit their assets to? Michael Pierce, Marcus Williams, Kyle Hamilton, they spent a first-round pick on Patrick Queen. They bring in Roquan Smith. They also draft a center on the other side of the ball. They love to run the ball. They have continuously tried to bring running backs back and bring running backs in, things of that nature. A running quarterback. When teams play light boxes, you want to be able to run on them. And if you want to play a light box, you need to be able to be sharp against the run still. So I think that is the, the grand 30,000-foot overview of what the Ravens are trying to do. They went and put the lid on the Bengals playing those two high structures, this is going to help you be better in the middle of the field. In the Where do you attack too high? Over the middle of the field between the linebackers and the safeties. And they just got a really quick advanced coverage linebacker that's going to be able to make more plays, help them out against tight ends, help them out against slot receivers, against dagger concepts and crossers and things like that. He can carry things over top. So I think that's where it really comes into play. And then again, Queen can truly play with his hair on fire. He has played up towards 100% of snaps the last two weeks. But then on top of it, you know, guys get hurt. 
If Patrick Queen were to go down right now, suddenly you're thrusting Malik Harrison into a much larger role. Josh Bynes has had trouble staying healthy this year. Christian Welch has had a couple nice snaps here and there, but he's going to make mistakes when he first starts playing, it feels like. You know, he hasn't looked incredibly sharp every snap he takes defensively. So it's insurance on top of it, as well as adding premier talent and, again, a skill set in the ability to carry and run and, and match coverage that you don't currently have. And, and not many people do in the linebacker position in the NFL. So it's it's yet another edge of a new sword. Yeah, and, and speaking about what you know about Roquan Smith, Spencer, what are the things in his skill set you're most excited for? And then do, do you have any weaknesses that maybe he has to improve on as he kind of gets situated in Baltimore? I mean, we've been watching this guy for quite some time at Georgia. Comes from, you know, the, the Kirby Smart defense. And he is sharp. He's not a huge dude. I, I wouldn't say that he is a downhill thumper necessarily, but he can really run sideline to sideline. I don't know that there are things that he necessarily needs to improve, but by playing in a defense that's trending up and surrounded by veterans and in an organization that is a little more competitive than the Bears have been the last couple of years and, and has a better offense than the Bears have had the last couple of years, uh, while the Bears are doing some nice things, I think it just, you know, uh, a rising tide raises all ships a little bit. So I think we will see him be even better than he was on the Bears in some aspects. And I think Mike McDonald's done a darn good job. So uh, when you're playing with more talent around you, more veterans around you in many ways as well, uh, it's it's going to, you know, it, it's not easy to go switch teams in the middle of the season and switch cities and move into an apartment and, you know, get all that done. But I think defense is a little easier to translate. And I think defense is a little more universal in general in terms of language and possibilities because it's a lot more reactive and there's only so many reactions that you can have as opposed to, you know, being proactive on offense. You look at the Panthers trade for Robbie Anderson, who I think is a professional wide receiver. I think, you know, he's played in a couple systems. He's been relatively productive. They still aren't, you know, including him in their offense yet. It takes more time to integrate an offensive player. So I don't think that uh, there's going to be some huge jump or anything like that. I think the Roquan Smith that we know is the Roquan Smith that we'll get. And I think that's a really good thing for the Baltimore Ravens defense. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with that. And when talking about Trey Spencer, I'm very big on they don't all have to be necessarily needle moving, but I think this is the definition of a needle moving move. But my question to you is, is how much how much of a needle moving move is this? Is this just a minor thing for you or is this really like, oh, this can really change and improve the way the defense is already playing, even though it actually has found its stride over these last couple of games? I think it, it's definitely a needle moving move. Again, you know, when you look at his advanced metrics, Roquan Smith over the last four years, Sports Info Solutions, who I think does do a better job than, than PFF in terms of chart and coverage, uh, has had him ranking, I think, first, ninth, 16th, and I think he's currently 11th in points saved overall and then he's been right around there in point save per target in coverage and he has saved the bears 100 points over the last four years 99 and a half points that is a literal translation points saved in their estimation based on the previous most similar 10,000 snaps considering personnel considering the quality of players on the field considering what happens during the play he saved them 100 points just in coverage ignoring as a pass rusher ignoring as a run defender just in coverage. He is an elite coverage linebacker that boosts things. What, you know, and I, I would rather, I would take Fred Ward and Fred Warner and coverage over him for sure. He's longer, uh, things of that nature, but it, it's still a really high impact. Like there's only one or two guys I think that are a better coverage linebacker. And he is in that top three, top two conversation for sure. And again, I think that's going to raise up. So there's just no way that that isn't an impact. And there's no way that the Ravens would make this kind of move not thinking there would be that level of impact. So 
you know, in the event of injury, sure, whatever, there's, there's those kinds of things. Those can all be assumed though. But if Roquan Smith is healthy, I think he's an impact player and this is absolutely a needle mover for the Ravens. Yeah, and it is. And we've talked for a while about how the Ravens have struggled in times to cover tight ends, cover running backs out of the backfield. I think Roquan Smith provides you with someone who can do that at a high level and do it consistently at a high level. But Spencer, let's do grades for this one. And I'm going to propose two scenarios for you. One, what's your grade assuming he signs an extension? And two, what's your grade assuming it's just a rental? Assuming he signs an extension. I love the way that you put that, Kevin. Assuming he signs an extension, uh, I'm going to give this, let's call it uh, 91 out of 100, 92 out of 100. Um, You know, could, you know, sure, go trade for Jerry Rice, whatever. But there's not that many better moves that you can make uh, with an extension as a rental. And there is the aspect, well, the, there's two layers of, of comp pick conversations. It's like, okay, well, they spend a second and a fifth, but they'll get back a third. Okay, but there's also comp picks at the end of the third. So it's actually after the third round. On top of that, if Roquan Smith goes elsewhere and is a rental in this hypothetical, then the Ravens are probably going to sign someone else to a big deal, especially considering they don't have that second round pick. That would cancel that out anyway. So if it's a rental, I don't like it nearly as much. I would give it a... 65 out of a hundred, somewhere around there, six and a half out of 10. So uh, I really love it with an extension. I kind of like it with the rental aspect. Yeah. I think for me, it, it, my, I'm in the a minus category. If it's an extension too, I, I'm right there with you. If it's a rental, I'll go like C minus C, like maybe more towards C minus like 71, I guess if I'm putting a number on it, because you, you do, he's such a skilled player and he's still 25 years old. This isn't like you're trading for a 32 year old. Who's only going to be in the league for, I don't know, one year more, two year more at a high level. This is a guy who you can put on this defense. You can get him in there for multiple, multiple seasons, and he can be the anchor of that defense and one of the many talented players on it. So if it's an extension, I really, really love it. I've loved Roquan Smith since his days at Georgia. Just was way, he went way too high for the Ravens to even consider taking him in that draft. But if it's a rental, I understand the move. And you mentioned the, the multiple layers to it. I think it's more of like an incomplete in that situation because it's like, what would the pick be? Who would the guy be that they sign, et cetera? But we'll talk in the third segment about if Baltimore will trade for Jerry Rice. So be sure to stay tuned for that. We still have a ton to talk about here on Locked on Ravens. First, though, I do want to tell you a bit about Bet Online. And BetOnline.net is your number one source for betting football and the start of the new basketball season. I'm a Denver Nuggets guy. They lost to the Lakers, gave the Lakers their first win. That's all I'll say about that one. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every game. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for our sports, waging information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. It's the fastest and easiest way to check out all your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. As well as the mobile device to learn more, bet online where the game starts. We're back rounding out our Tuesday edition of Locked On Ravens. Kevin Allstriker talking here with Spencer Schultz. And Spencer, the Roquan Smith trade, I got a lot of people excited, myself included. I know you as well. But trade deadline is here. It is today. And Baltimore potentially could make another move. Now they are down their second rounder. They're down their fifth rounder. And I guess A.J. Klein for whatever trade value he had. He's in Chicago now. But a lot of people are still clamoring for the wide receiver aspect of things. Now, John Harbaugh did say on Monday, Rashad Bateman, his injury is going to be a few weeks. It was more serious than they anticipated. So that now, again, as we've talked about, moves everybody up a rung on the ladder. But it seems like there are multiple wide receivers available. I know we talked last week about Brandon Cooks. It, the reports, at least, are that the Texans are only looking for deals, including second rounders. So obviously with Baltimore not having theirs, 
would maybe take him out of the running. I'm still on board for Brandon Cooks for a three, but who knows if Houston does it. Do you feel like Baltimore will make another move here as a trade deadline approaches? I do believe they will. Um, I would say I have a three out of five stars confidence level that they will, especially considering that they did have the Bears eat all of Roquan Smith's salary. They do have a couple avenues to create a couple more million dollars by restructuring Mark Andrews and Kevin Zeitler, according to Over the Cap, I believe uh, up to $4 million total if they so choose. And I'm sure there's even more ways that we don't even know about that they could. They, they brought in Sashi Brown for a reason, and it's to help with contracts uh, and, and being able to be relative to the cap in that sense. So I would say yes. I think we do see them either go for a cornerback, perhaps a William Jackson, who Washington desperately wants to move on from and could possibly be buying. They're, they're four and four and feels like they're kind of in a, a little bit of a last hurrah situation. Uh, Sidney Jones from the Seahawks I think would make a lot of sense. A Sean Murphy Bunting from the Buccaneers, who apparently is on the trade block, uh, is another one. And then wide receiver would be the other place I look with Rashad Bateman's foot injury being more significant than initially believed. I'd say that, you know, hey, go look at Kendrick Bourne, Nelson Aguilar. I don't know if they could Trojan horse another team into getting Chase Claypool, but that's another fit that I really like. Uh, Brandon Cooks does require a little bit of finagling with his contract apparently he would be willing based on reports he would be willing to lower his contract in 2023 just cut some money off of it to go back to the rams he is from california um, so i don't know if that would apply for the ravens i love the fit of brandon cooks uh, i'm in the camp that dj moore is more you know decently affordable and probably better than 90 percent of first round picks will turn out to be in terms of impact that he makes on your team i don't think the ravens make that move I think all they've ever done is tell us they're not going to go get a premier receiver and that they really like Mark Andrews and their tight ends and Devin Duvernay and they're going to keep trying to draft one until they get one. And of course, Rashad Bateman's foot can't comply with that this year. But uh, ultimately, you know, one of those more decent moves, a guy that's a little bit of a more of a needle mover than a Demarcus Robinson, who did have a really nice game against the Buccaneers last week. But uh, someone in that too, maybe a Marvin Jones Jr. from the Jaguars is another one that I don't think a lot of people have discussed. And, and that's been someone that we've talked about on this podcast quite a few times, Kevin. And hey, I mean, look at us. We've talked about Roquan Smith a lot. We talked about Justin Houston a lot. Some of, some of our guys end up here that we uh, talk about on this podcast. So I know it's we're, a lot of fun to think about. We have the locked on Ravens legend thing going. We might have to add Roquan Smith and then that too. And something we've talked about also, Spencer, is Jerry Judy. I know the drop issues with him have been very apparent and very made known by a lot of people. That's a move though that seems like it'd be a little well depending on what you think of both receivers maybe a little more of a splash than Brandon Cooks would be just wherever you're ranking with both of those guys do you still feel like that's realistic or do you feel like Denver holds on or it's just too expensive for Baltimore now it really just depends on what the price is I don't think they would want to send a first for Jerry Judy and they don't have a second round pick now they don't have a fifth round pick I don't know if Eric Costa is going to want to get rid of a third round pick when he doesn't have a second round pick um, you know, it, it feels like it's a, a weird position in terms of that, but who knows? I mean, I would personally love to take Jerry Judy, especially, you know, if Roger, Rashad Bateman ends up being out for the year or in that situation, I think that he can replace some of the skill set that Bateman has pretty quickly and knows Lamar Jackson well. So maybe it doesn't take quite as long to integrate him in. Uh, but at the same time, I just don't, don't know what the cost is. I would, I would think it would be like a second or, a third and a fourth or something like that. And after the Roquan Smith trade, I could see the Ravens really trying to use like a sixth or a 2024 fifth to go get a guy like a Marvin Jones or something like that instead. So I don't know if that one's in the cards, but I would like it if they did it. Yeah. And there, there is the interesting conversation point that I've thought about for a while, which is like, 
if the Ravens do trade that fifth or a sixth or whatnot for one of those lower tier wide receivers, Spencer, do you think that it's with Deshaun Jackson waiting, waiting in the wings, I guess, if you want to call it, is it still worth it for them to go out there and make that move? I mean, I think with the way Bateman's injury has been and just with the uncertainty of it, you want to have as much depth as you can get there right now, but would a Deshaun Jackson maybe just be, keep the draft capital and put Deshaun Jackson up on the roster or your favorite Raven, Andy Isabella. Man, maybe maybe Isabella sneaks up here and uh, and gets me and nips me in the butt. Uh, but I, I think Deshaun Jackson will be someone that is in the rotation, catches some balls. You know, could see him ending up with like three, four hundred yards this season, something along those lines. You know, a couple touchdowns. Uh, but I don't know. I would I would really love like a Kendrick Bourne. I, I think that would make a ton of sense for them uh, and and be cheap enough to do so. It, it seems like him and Aguilar as Tyquan Thornton and Jacoby Myers, you know, really continue to blossom and emerge. Uh, the snaps have gone down. I think that Aguilar has played under 10 snaps in three of the last four games. And I think he was a, a scratch. And I think that Bourne was also a scratch one game. So the Ravens and Patriots kind of are, are simpatico and their willingness to kind of deal players or, or deal. The, they really love to wheel and deal with those late round picks. So I feel like you could entice Bill Belichick with like a seventh round, like a 2024 seventh round pick to take one of those guys. He doesn't care that the Patriots are four and four. If he's not using them, he's not using them. And he loves, loves, loves those really late round picks. So if I had to bet my bottom dollar on a receiver coming to Baltimore, it'd be one of Bill Belichick's. And if I had to bet my bottom dollar, if they make another move, what would it be? I would say in that cornerback room. Okay. All right. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I feel like if it is a Patriots receiver, Maybe it is Kendrick Bourne. Maybe it is Aguilar. It'd be really nice to have Jacoby Myers, but that's not happening. He's he's too good for them to, to get right now. The Patriots love Jacoby Myers. But I think for what you're looking at, Spencer, people want to see the Ravens make another move. Definitely wide receiver-wise. I think, as you mentioned, cornerback does make sense. Would there be any disappointment level for you if they didn't make a move? Uh, I mean, it just depends. You know, Does a Denzel Mims get moved for a seventh-round pick? Uh, does Marvin Jones get moved for a sixth-round 2024 pick? something of that nature. If, if one of those things happens, I would really like to see it. But at the end of the day, they added a two-time All-Pro that's 25 years old uh, to their team. So it's hard to say they didn't make a splash at the trade deadline by doing that as opposed to getting you know Denzel Mims. So I, I, would, I wouldn't say necessarily disappointment, but if the opportunity presents itself to make a cheap move at, at the wide receiver position, preferably for a veteran like a, a Marvin Jones or an Aguilar or Bourne, I would prefer that very much, and I, I hope they do that if they have the chance to. Yeah, it seems like Smith is definitely the, the big fish, the big splash. Who knows? Maybe something crazy happens, but feels like he's the big splash for now. But, Spencer, there was a football game played on Thursday night. We haven't talked about that at all. I do want to get your opinion on the Tampa game. Baltimore pulls out 27-23 win. Very much so a tale of two halves for the offense. The defense kind of got us together in that second quarter after what was just a – not so great first quarter to put it nicely. What were, what were your takeaways from that game? And do you think Baltimore maybe just has momentum now and is starting to turn a corner? I think it was really exciting to see Lamar Jackson so passionate and see the fire that he had. Pat Ricard gets a holding call and that wasn't Lamar Jackson, you know, not caring or whatever the Skip Bayless story is. And, and so much of that, that story ahead of that game, I think was uh, a grand meltdown for a lot of the Ravens fan base in the first quarter as their offense is struggling and the, the, Bucks go down and score a touchdown. And to watch the way they adjusted offensively, they start running more RPO, more zone reads, which they don't actually run a ton of uh, over the last couple of years, as opposed to like veers and bashes and power concepts, things like that. It was a great in-game adjustment, and Lamar Jackson played fantastic after playing so poorly. 
And the way that he turned it on, the way the pass game turned it on, once Andrew you know, Bateman's down, Duvernay's down, all of a sudden the run game gets going. They run for 200 yards in the second half. They use a little bit of tempo at the end of the first half and just let Lamar. It felt like Lamar had a really nervous, uh, frenetic energy about him as he was playing in the first half. So they went no huddle. And it was like, all right, well, if you gave your kid too many pixie sticks and he's a little raw, you know, he gave him too much soda, let him go, you know, let him go run around outside for an hour and tucker himself out. And it felt like he, they were able to channel that kind of, high tempo energy that was nervous into something good by going no huddle. And it kind of got him into rhythm. And then once he got into, once he gets into rhythm, it's over every game. Lamar Jackson gets into rhythm other than maybe one or two over the last couple of years, they win. So once that happens, it's game over. Once he starts running and making five guys miss in one run, he gets the game breaker. Like it's, you know, uh, NBA street, you know, on PS two, it's over, put down the controller. He is going to win the game every single time when he gets into that mode. And that's why he's such an exciting player. And that's why it's so fun to watch him. And I thought this offensive line turns it on the whole offense. Isaiah likely turns it on Devin Duvernay turns it on. James Prochet starts contributing a little bit um, as they're missing guys. And it's a short week and they could have lost that game. Like teams can so easily say, you know, Oh, it was a short week and we had to travel. They didn't, you know, it's, it's easy to be like, Oh, it's an NFC team. This game doesn't matter as much. You know, there's no tiebreakers that are decided by NFC teams other than common opponent, which is like the ninth one. So then on the defensive side of the football, they just started to rally and tackle and get their hands up and bat passes and hit Tom Brady and make plays downfield and fight and fight and fight and get stops on third down, get stops, you know, in the red zone here and there and, and drag the bucks out. They Geno stone made one of the, he baited Tom Brady. And if I wish that Marcus Williams was able to play in that game, but it felt like he did because of the way Geno stone played, he baited Tom Brady on such a key down. It was a third and four, I believe. And he's in off coverage against the twins concept. And so there's one-on-ones both sides and Geno stones in off way off way past the, the first down marker and just sits flat. As soon as he can tell Brady's going to throw a curl triggers on it, smacks the ball to Goblin's hand. It was a perfectly located pass. Geno stone made the play anyway, gets off the field, things like that. Uh, you know, Broderick Washington has a great game, all those things. So really exciting win a game that they, like I said, they could have lost and it would have been okay. And, I, I said before the game, that was a game that I didn't consider a, you know, must win or needed or anything like that. It was like a, wouldn't it be nice if they won that game? Wouldn't it be nice to be five and three instead of four and four and in first place in your division yet again, and then going into the bye, you feel a lot better to go buy a player and then they go buy Roquan Smith. So uh, that was a lot of fun. It was fun to see them able to work without Andrews and Bateman and pass the football and make plays, and watch guys step up, young guys on the offense. Their offensive line handled business. So it was a very beat-up Bucks team, but it was a very beat-up Ravens team as well, especially once the game got going. So a uh, really impressive win. Lamar Jackson now 2-0 and against Tom Brady, and probably going to end that way. Yeah, and you know, considering that second-half performance, Roquan Smith coming to town, trade deadline coming up here, a lot of excitement in Baltimore right now. And one more thing about Roquan Smith is the fact that now he has a week to get kind of acclimated to Baltimore, the Baltimore defense. It's being reported he might play on Monday night, so we'll see if that ends up happening. But then after that, you have the bye week to get him acclimated and everything. So it's a nice little acclimation period there for Roquan Smith. But Spence, that's all I have for you today. Thank you so much for hopping on and, and joining me here. A celebratory Roquan Smith episode, another Locked On Ravens legend in the books. But tell people what you have going on content-wise over these next couple of weeks. I'm just going to be continuing to churn out tape, churn out film, churn out articles. 
I'm doing a new series that I debuted last week called Show Me the Money Downs. I'm looking at every third down and fourth down on both sides of the football. That gets put up on YouTube and released on BaltimoreBeatdown.com in article form with the video embedded as well. So that's a fun series I've been doing and just continuing to enjoy football season. It's you know getting towards halfway over. It's the halfway point of the regular season. Then we got playoff football. So got to enjoy it while it's here, man. Got to give football its flowers when it's uh, during the season. So have fun. Go listen to... You know, Baltimore Beatdown Podcast, everywhere you get your podcast. Make sure to give Kevin five stars as well, who gives you the best daily Ravens coverage by far. So reward the man and support him and all that good stuff. And I'll talk to you guys next week. Again, a big thanks to Spencer. As always, the links to all of his work will be in the description below. Really, go check it out. He does such great work, and I highly, highly, highly recommend it. But thank you so much for tuning in today. Again, if you're new here or even if you're tuning in again, be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube, follow along in audio form, and like the video in video form. But that's all I have for you here today on Locked on Ravens. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll make it back here tomorrow. We'll be diving into more Roquan Smith analysis and more surrounding the trade deadline and just the Baltimore Ravens in general, of course. So be sure to stay tuned for that, and I will see you right back here tomorrow.